Hi, this is Keith. <laughs> and this is Lisa. Sorry. What's so funny, Lisa? <laughs> Can't even get through the intro to that. Well, this is our second recording of the intro. <laughs> <laughs> and the one we did directly before this was ridiculous. It's more of a, how is this dude? <laughs> it was really aggressive and like. I just, uh, right out the gate. I don't know. It was funny. <clears throat> but yeah, sorry. This is Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> and this is our podcast. I married a history teacher. It is. And we are finally, finally back after about a two-month hiatus in our studio in beautiful Baltimore, Maryland. Yes, we're finally back. We are so happy to be back. Yeah. And I must say, and I'm saying this after I didn't even want to really bring up all the controversy around Baltimore last week, but maybe it's my head. But I feel like people are really just like they're showing up here. They're like there's like a lot of um, rallying in Baltimore around you know showing the city love. Yeah, it's I, like rat tourism. <laughs> well, I wouldn't even say tourism. I would just say the the citizens themselves are like I don't know. There was like a huge showing at this latest like concert in the park near us, and it was just really nice. So yeah. go Baltimore. Very resilient group of people here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Either way, it's just great to be back. Love the studio. So comfortable, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but anyway, if you did not listen to last week's episode entitled, um, I believe it's the most in, top 10 most influential women of all time, um, I'm not saying you have to go back and listen to the whole thing, but I would recommend you at least go and listen to our point system. <laughs> and how we have rated these women. That was what going to be what you suggested? I thought you were going to say just listen to number 10 and 9. Well, no, because I can just tell you that number 10 was an English um, scientist slash paleontologist named Mary Anning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and number 9 was Ada Lovelace, who was basically the world's first computer programmer. And I say first computer programmer, not first female computer programmer, literally the first. Yes, the first ever. The right. first human programmer. So that was number 10 and number 9. Okay, so you want them to go back and listen to your airtight methodology. Yeah, my airtight <laughs> method, like where these points are coming from. Because I'm going to refer to our point system on several different occasions. Mm. And I just wanted to make sure that everyone knows we're on the same page here. Ah, uh, gotcha. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so tonight we are going to cover number 8, 7, 6, and 5. Okay. Okay, so we got four more awesome stories about some badass ladies that we're going to talk about again tonight. Fabulous. You ready to do this, Lisa? Should we just jump right in? I'm always, always no ready. No small talking, no points talk, mm-hmm. no honorable mentions tonight. Yeah, no, we got through it. all that. Yeah, we're jumping right into number eight. Yeah, I mean, I'm always ready to talk about some cool ladies. Always. Dope, dope, dope. All right, number eight. I hate to do this, Lisa. It's boring, but I didn't. I want to keep the... I didn't want to compromise the list just because the first three people are all from the same place. She's also English. She's not, however, a scientist. Wow. All the bottom three are English. Bottom three are English. Which makes it sound like it's not an accomplishment, but of course it is. Um, Okay. So, wow. Okay. So number eight is also English. Mm -hmm. She's Mm -hmm. not a scientist. Not a scientist. Okay. Are you talking Margaret Thatcher? Margaret Thatcher. That's a great guess, Lisa, but I'm not talking Margaret Thatcher. I'm talking about 200 years before Margaret Thatcher. Uh, oh. You've probably never heard of her. Oh. I didn't hear of her until I was a history teacher and she was added to the Virginia curriculum. While uh, you, like midway through your teaching she was added in? Not midway through my teaching, but it was not part of the uh, No Child Left Behind standard. So Virginia, the state of Virginia actually added her shortly before I started teaching. 
Okay, okay. So you came in hot, right? Well, she was fresh mm-hmm. off the presses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so then, yeah, I guess I, I, I shouldn't try to guess. Cause, no. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Her name is Mary Wollstonecraft. You ever heard of Mary Wollstonecraft? Yeah, no, not, not enough to have it okay. stick. If I were to summarize who Mary Wollstonecraft was yeah. uh, in one sentence, I would basically say that she is an Enlightenment thinker who could also be considered the first feminists in the modern world. Wow. Okay, so... She's an author. She's a brilliant mind. She's a complex person, too, because her personality and her personal life was actually very different than what she preached. Huh. I feel like that's actually pretty common. Like, I'm about to go down a dangerous path of, like, saying bad things about famous good people. But, like, you know, Gandhi was... I mean, great for the world in so many ways. I mean, he kind of designed a lot of nonviolent theory and approaches, but he was, like, super shitty to his wife. Yeah, Um, yeah. And, you know, MLK, obviously a wonderful, wonderful person, but also, you know, pretty big flanderer. Do you know that a lot of that stuff about MLK was actually made up by Oh, I did actually hear that. I did hear that. It was, like, supposed to, like, um, damage his character. You talked over me. People didn't hear what I said. Oh, it's about me, though. It's about me and my learning. People, that's all uh, people want to hear. Oh, is my reaction hear your wheel, to learning. Yeah. Okay, your wheels turning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, yeah not, okay. they're not here to learn. They're here oh, okay, to watch okay. and observe the learning process. Oh, yeah. okay, okay, okay. But just in case there's some person that wants to learn, please do um, repeat yourself. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of this stuff about the infidelities of Martin Luther King was made up by the FBI and like CIA because he was considered a, uh, what's that word, like a rabble rouser. Right. Um, and, like, he would, like, be a threat. So they wanted to damage his character. Yeah. So I'm not saying he was, like, a perfect angel to his wife or anything, but a lot of that stuff was... Uh, well, that's very disappointing. Yeah, it was hyperbole. Yeah, I forgot about that. So sorry, I didn't mean to repeat falsehoods. Yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure the Gandhi thing is true. Yeah. yeah. Um, could be, could be. And, and I also will say, I don't know, all these, like, Enlightenment thinkers, philosophers, whatnot, I mean, they're just, like, too smart for their own good. And, mm-hmm. like, I feel like they just, like... They just got like a lot bounce around in their heads and it sometimes manifests itself in some strange behavior. Yeah. Um, but anyways, cool. So she was a, an enlightenment thinker. Yes. One of was, the only was, female ones. She's considered one of the few enlightenment thinkers and she's late too. She's like really late to the party. So she's not around living at the same time as John Locke and Voltaire and those dudes. Yeah. She comes later. But, like, it's a good good point because all of those Enlightenment thinkers, they were all liberal. And I mean liberal with, like, a lowercase l. Get, like, American Democrat liberal out of your head. Do we like, capitalize that? Liberal? Well, no, but you could if it was, like, a political party. You okay. would. I'm just right. trying to simply state that li- these liberal thinkers were the people that were – Talking about changing the monarchs and liberal by definition is someone who wants a bunch of change, to see a bunch right. of change. Right, right, right. right. So get, don't think like Barack Obama, all right? That's not the type of liberal we're talking about. We're talking about right. the liberal they enlightenment em- thinkers. And they embrace change and they view it as a vehicle for improving mankind. Yes. And is that fair? So I don't, again, because I didn't pay a lot of attention, I don't know a ton about the enlightenment thinking in general. So is that is that a fair description of it as well? Like, or is that just the liberal thinking? Like, if you no, could describe no, no. That's being what the Enlightenment, Enlightenment was. The Enlightenment thinker was a liberal. Okay, it was liberal. It. it was someone who it was very like, uh, you need change. We want to see human progress. Um, we want to change in the government. 
So liberal is just a term for someone who wants to see progress and change, where the opposite of that would be the conservative who obviously yes. inherently Values wants tradition. to conserve yep. the way of doing things. Yes. Okay. The heritage end of things. Yes. Um, okay. So that, yeah, Enlightenment thinkers were liberal thinkers. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And she came around later, okay? She actually got famous because... Sorry, actually, sorry. I just have one more question. So you could technically be an Enlightenment thinker and have different takes on what that change should look like? Oh, absolutely. If you look at Thomas Hobbes versus John Locke, they were both really famous Enlightenment thinkers. Yeah. And they would have... Two entirely Got different it. opinions on what the government, and we should, no, we should move on. This has nothing to do with. But no, I, this is what I'm bringing it back to because I just wanted to make sure that like everyone in the that was considered an Enlightenment thinker had original thought and ideas of their own. Because if she was an Enlightenment thinker much later after these guys, and it wasn't something that's unique to your take, then you know it wouldn't be as impressive that she had kind of come up with her own take on Enlightenment thinking. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like I, she's I think, not just parroting an Enlightenment. I, I think if you're a published, studied Enlightenment thinker, you're probably a pretty brilliant mind. All right. Regardless. Also a fair way to put it. Okay. Yeah. I will I will let you continue now. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> now, Mary Wollstonecraft actually gets famous um, in just the way she – she becomes famous actually is going to be like speak volumes about how hard it was for women – to, to do the things that Mary Wollstonecraft did, right? Yeah. So Edmund Burke was also a sort of late to the game Enlightenment thinker philosopher type. Okay. All right. And he is going to write something called a Vindication of the Rights of Man. Yeah. Okay. That's really vaguely familiar for some reason. Well, it's a vague kind of name, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and he's basically going to attack the aristocracy. He's going to attack the monarchy. He's going to talk about how republicanism is the proper way to go. And mm-hmm. again, this is like really confusing if you don't understand. Like, I'm throwing a bunch of American terms in here, but right. a republic is just it's uh, republicanism uh, is well, right. Republicanism was. Being a Republican with a lowercase r is someone who supports a republic government. Right. Okay. So they're voting for people to represent them. Right. So okay. another so, way to say democracy. Yes. Essentially. It's a different form of democracy. It's yeah. a more specific form of democracy. Okay. All right. So don't think capital R Republican in America. Okay. Two very different things. Yep. Right. And he's going to support a republic. Okay. okay. Um what she is going to do mm-hmm. is she is going to publish. And at this time, there is only the monarchs in England. There's no other, you know, m- you know, because like I feel like they went through a transitional phase where they're like the monarch had more power, but there was still representative government, and now it's like pretty much. Well, the we are in the time of of what you would call, like. So even monarchs go through a lot of phases in Europe, and we are past absolute monarchy, where kings and queens did whatever the hell they want. You're like Henry the Eighth. Louis the Fourteenth of France type people, mm-hmm. like those people are done. We're moving into the sort of the seventeen hundreds when a lot of these countries, in like particularly England, uh-huh. are something called. Um, sorry, I just lost it. Um, shit. Uh, constitutional like, monarchy. Yes, there. Nice. What the hell? I said that and I don't even know yeah. where that came from. Uh, constitutional monarchies because they have constitutions with the monarchy, or they're just called limited monarchies as well. Okay. Because there's limitations to the monarchs. Okay. Right? But they're still there. So it's like a stepping stone, basically. Okay. So we're in a constitutional monarchy right now. Yes. As he is kind of pushing for a more, you know, full-on republic. Yes. And, okay. Now, Mary Wollstonecraft is going to write 
and she, she had this like really intense habit of where she would like just write stuff in like this whirlwind of emotion and then publish it. But it's like brilliant. It's just like really unpolished. Got it. Uh, so it's I like, like it. kind of like me trying to talk. You know what I mean? It's just like I, I feel like my points are there. I and it's just a like, whirlwind of emotions yeah, always. Just, but I'm just like mixing up words all the time and stuff like that. So that's the way she kind of wrote, right? Okay. Um, and she wrote like a, a counterpoint to Edmund Burke saying like, you miss this. You don't understand this about the human concepts. I'm with you that republicanism is the way to go. But – you're missing all this stuff. And then all of these like readers of this stuff and like, you know, the intelligent folks that were like reading this type of stuff back then were all like, oh my God, this paper is brilliant. And it was like such intense reviews that she put out a second volume. But this time she, so the first one she put on uh, anonymously. Second time she decided to put her name on there, Mary Wollstonecraft, and people knew it was from a woman. So the second volume, everyone was like talking about it, how it was nothing more than an over-emotional rant um, from like a crazed female. That is some BS. Yeah, it's even more BS because then, you know what, all of a sudden they happened? They started rereading the first volume she put out. And they're like, you know what, this actually isn't even all that brilliant. This seems hysterical as well. You deserve your monarchy, assholes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I like that. Obvious um, why she became a feminist then. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm assuming that came after? This is already, well, kind of. I mean, she was already kind of always radical. Right. Okay, got it. She was considered radical for her day because she would do stuff like hang out with like writers and write stuff herself, which in, right. in itself alone and that's is, like a bold is, move. Yeah, yeah, got it. Is bold. She even, Lisa, yeah. had a baby out of wedlock. Ooh. What? Yeah. He, yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, it was all her emotions that led her to that. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, so, okay. So she's got a baby. Out of, did she write this before or after baby time? Just out of curiosity. You know, I'm not totally sure. That's mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's relevant to the point. I would guess before. Okay. The babies kind of came later in her life. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, just and to digress a little bit more, how I said she hung out with a bunch of radical men. One of the people in her circle was a very famous person in terms of influencing America do you remember the name Thomas Paine? I do remember that name, and I think he wrote something. He did write something. And it he, was, a, like, was it a green book? Did I make that up? Well, a green book specifically <laughs> referred to the, like, where <laughs> black people can travel safely. No, 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 I'm not saying, was it called a green book? I know, was it, the book, was it green? I don't know, in my head it's, like, a small book that's green, but I'm also thinking, I think, of, like, this office scene where there's a book called The Finer Things, and that is green, so... Yeah, I, I don't think this is at all, like, <laughs> it was a deep dive. Oh, just a shitty dive, Yeah, really. so just to keep it, like, remind you, this is, like, the late 1700s. They don't have, Colors like, yet? Colors, and there's no... <laughs> I feel like there was colors. There's no color newspaper. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it was a color... It was a color... No, it was definitely <laughs> black and white. It was... Everything. White, it was white paper Literally with black everything. ink. No, but the cover, you know. There was no, pigment. There's no cover. We were trading there's with no India by... There's no pigments here. Okay, fine. All right, fine. He wrote a book. <laughs> he wrote a oh, book. Oh, he wrote Common Sense. Nailed it! Yes! 
Yes. <laughs> Whoa, that came out of nowhere. These yeah. things are just flying yeah. out, but I have like no context for them. It, it was a windy path, but you got that. It was. Yeah, so Common Sense, which is a little pamphlet that basically stated everyone in America, it's common sense. We don't need a king across the ocean to rule us. We can rule our damn selves. It's common sense, and it's considered legit one of the causes of the American Revolution. Yes. It was published in 1770. Shit, I'm going to botch this. Well, it's it either 1775 or 76 <laughs> itself, because obviously what? the revolution started in 76. Well, actually, it started in 75, so I imagine it's, he I wrote it in 75. I thought we got independence by 76. No, no, oh, no. Oh, no, that's when we wrote the declaration. Yes. That's when we wrote it. We were like, yeah. we declare it, but we don't have it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. So technically the first skirmishes were actually in 75, I believe. Okay. And then 76 is when we were basically in all-out war and the declaration of independence was written. But just because you declared independence <laughs> doesn't mean you get to have independence, right? Absolutely So then not. you had to fight the war, which is like seven years or something like that. Got it. Okay. Um, All right. So she's friends with Thomas Paine. Yeah, she hung out in the same that circles with T. Paine. That is super cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to say this totally corny joke <laughs> to my high school kids. Yeah. I would say, T. Paine, his two greatest works were Common Sense and I'm in Love with a Stripper. <laughs> but ding Oh, works on Lisa. Still Dude, got it. Dude, I would be having a great time in your classes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, how do these brilliant minds find each other? I, to me, it always made sense. Really? Yeah, you because just... it's just like you flock to people you're interested in talking to. And if like Thomas Jefferson or like Ben Franklin or John Locke were sitting in here, they would be so bored by us. You know what I mean? They'd go out and find like smarter people. Well, they would just be entertained just, you know, if they just landed here, just by, you know, just regular gadgets. Oh, you're missing my point. <laughs> no, my point is we would be best friends with <laughs> yeah. them. Plus, we're super on their level. Also, the Enlightenment thinkers all had a hangout spot. They, would call, they were called saloons. And they would, like, hang out and they would drink and they'd listen to classical music. And then they like, would talk, talk like about this. politics. <laughs> yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, it's basically oh. like you and me going to Kisslings on a Friday night and eating wings and drinking orange crushes and uh, just talking about the finer things in life. <laughs> See, a nice little yeah. tie up there. Right. Um, okay, cool. So that's pretty awesome. So she's hanging out with all these dudes in saloons. Yes. Brilliant dudes, literally changing the world with their thought. Yes. Now, she is going to, like, her ultimate thing that gets her super famous is that she is going to write a book called... So the la- the thing that she spoke out against was Edmund Burke's A Vindication of the Rights of Man. Mm-hmm. She is going to write a book called A Vindication of the Rights of... Women. Women, right? Women. And it is considered the first feminist writing, published feminist writing. That's really cool. And it is very cool because she's very ahead of her time. Okay, she basically is considered like the inventor of feminism. Because as liberal as the, all those dudes were, like Voltaire, John Locke, even Rousseau was considered the most liberal. Like none of them were ever really speaking about women and the advancement of women. They're talking about democracy and self-rule and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But it was largely with this tone of four white men. Hmm. Okay, so it's it's... It's very revolutionary, but it's not complete, right? So here comes Mary Wollstonecraft, and she says, wait a minute. Yeah. Like, you are forgetting 50% of the population. Yeah. And 51%. Here, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. At, most ti- at most times in the world, there are actually 51% women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, some key points of this book. 
is that she is a huge advocate for uh, women's education. Okay, complete education equal to that of men. Because this is something that we can do equally for women that doesn't at all take away from the power of men. Like if you're looking at things as a pie, which we we don't like to look at things as a pie. No, it never leads to anything good except for actual pie. Yes. <laughs> and even that needs to be done well. Yes. Um, but yeah, okay. Right. So. so like if you're educating everyone, you're not talking about taking education away from men. You're just expanding the pie, right? Still sounds like many a men would be threatened by that. But well, yes. of course they were. Of yes. course they were. But she argues that this is not one of those things. Yes. That, yeah. Everyone can gain. Yeah, so like women should have the same education that men do. And she also, like I want to get back to the book, but she is going to start doing stuff like opening schools for women and stuff like that. How did she get educated? Was she? Uh, so she also is another one of, of these people who comes from a nice little family where these people have more leisure time and their daughters get educated, similar to Ada Lovelace from last episode. Got it. So usually, like anyone that we're hearing about from these times is probably pretty loaded. Well, Mary Anning wasn't. So uh, most of the people, right. yeah, most right. of the people, yes, that's true. If, I, I mean, I don't know this, but uh, top of my head, I'm saying probably seven of the ten people we're going to talk about on this list come from rich ass families. Yeah, um, education. Education's big, right? It's huge. It's everything. And the other thing she does is that she is like in this book, Vindication of the Rights of Women. Mm-hmm. She's very tactful for her time because she knows it'll be more effective. So she doesn't get too radical where she's talking about stripping power from men. She doesn't shit on men. Mm -hmm. She's simply just saying that women have this right to sort of, uh, you know, understand who they are for themselves, take power over themselves and be the best that they can be, whether no matter what that means. Like if you're a mother, be the best female mother you can. If you strive to do something different, mm-hmm. then you can do that and get an education to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, so, absolutely. I mean, that's what men have been doing, right? They were trying to be the best versions of themselves. And right. she said that women should also try to exactly. do that. So I think it's very important to note that she wasn't like, burn this motherfucker to the ground and women will rise from the ashes. But that's also like often a false narrative, right? I mean, that I feel like that's often like something that comes out of insecure men, right? Yeah. That like paints women as you know, men hating and men destroying. Yes. And it's like, well, no, bro. It was, yes, it was not Just that. Just trying to go to school. Yeah. It's not that at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she is ranked this high, number eight overall, because of just the fact that she is this very successful author and thinker and is a revolutionary, so she, so she gets sort of like funneling points um, Yes. For just being like your general first feminist and, and showing young ladies that you can stand up for women and feminism in general. That's really cool. So she was the first first generation feminism. Yes. Cool. Now, here's some shit for some mothering points. Okay? Mm. She is going to have a legitimate daughter when she gets married. Ironically, she gets married even though her and her husband that she married to, who is also super liberal, they were both against the institution of marriage, <laughs> but ended up getting married and having a baby. That sounds like some liberal shit, honestly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so okay, so they're both against it, and she already had a kid out of wedlock yeah, when they got married. she has a kid out of wedlock, but then she has a legitimate kid, and her name is Mary Shelley. Does that name mean yeah, anything Yeah, she wrote Frankenstein. Nicely. Good for you. Wow, yeah, good for me. I'm yeah. like really knocking it out of the part that, that at least this 
first quarter of the podcast. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I've, <laughs> I've been known to, to really take myself down later. Um, but wow, that yes. is cool. Right. Wow. So she wrote Frankenstein, which is like considered one of the first works of science fiction. Um, it's also like a pretty deep dive into like psychology and that sort of yeah. thing. And, um, so Mary Shelley herself also very influential in her own right yeah. in the world of like literature. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah she's like one of them. I mean, there aren't that many classics out there. And Frankenstein mm-hmm. is one of them, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, that's for so sure. cool. It is. Um, I do want to note, though, just in case there's anyone nitpicking me out there. She actually died of an, like, Mary Wollstonecraft died shortly after giving birth to her. But Uh, because of who she was, it allowed Mary Shelley to grow up surrounded by writers and thinkers and that sort of thing. Got it. Okay. So So I'm still still, giving her full mother points. She kind of gave her that environment, even though she didn't, like, really raise her. Exactly. Okay. All right. Well, I'm all on board with with number eight. I think that's really, really quite cool. And honestly, like... It just sounds really fun to like hang in those saloons and just like talk about life, especially at a time where you could actually be really creating influential schools of thought. Oh, hell yeah. Right. Of course, there's still people that are doing that, but it's different now. I mean, there's the internet, there's a million ideas, everything's flying around at lightning speed. You know, that's really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. Way to go. I'm ready to move on. You want to move on to number seven? I do. Yeah, we've, I've uh, dragged this one out pretty pretty far. So it's all right. Let's go. She was. We got to give these people justice. If we yeah, got to split yeah, this yeah, in the no, two no. episodes, this one, and it's like for a total of four, I mean, then so be it. To be honest with you, though, <laughs> I was definitely expecting that to be the quickest one. Ooh. Uh, so let's move on. Number seven. We are finally leaving not only the island of England, but we are leaving the continent of Europe, and we are going all the way to China. And we are going to talk about a woman who is known as, by many names, but the most famous name of which is the Empress Si Chi, who I'm going to assume you have never heard of. No, not yeah. at all. Yeah. So Si Chi. Okay. Basically is a real-life Cersei Lannister <laughs> from China. It is funny because when you said that she had many names, I thought of Game of Thrones. I mean, mostly Khaleesi when she has to say like eight different things. Oh, um, no, that's not it. She like literally lived a life of which she had like eight different names in separate times. It wasn't oh. like Empress Si Chi of the Andals, yeah, Queen of like, the Fish Yeah, she was like, I'm Sally seas. this year, and yes. the next three years I'm going to be... Um, Delilah. Yes. Um, okay, so so she's she's similar to Cersei Lannister. Yes, and well, you'll, you'll find out. And Cersei she, Lannister gets number seven on the list yes, of top ten sure. women of influential. Women. First of all, like let's say this: she's very controversial. I'll throw that out now. Yeah. This, this woman, this woman, we're going to be talking about now. Okay. Um, don't. Associate it too much with Cersei. I <laughs> calm know, but calm down a little bit. There. I don't know. If someone told me that I was like could be likened to Cersei Lannister, I'd be like, I think I'm gonna give up now. Mm. Yeah. I, I actually think that she's similar enough to Cersei that it might have been Mar- like partially Martin's like uh, uh, influence, like. Like Cersei was influenced by this person. Oh, because he always pulled from history. Yes. Got it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. Um. Quick summary of her, Lisa. Her summary alone is insane. Can I guess? Yes. No. Go. She fucked her brother. No, no, no. Oh. It's not that. She's not literally Cersei. She just has some, some comparison. I thought for sure that was going to be one of them. No. It's not even close. It's like, see? I'm taking myself down already. She fucked her brother, Jamie. They had three kids. 
Gold no. with that shroud. <laughs> no, okay. Sorry, sorry. Let's. Why don't you just keep going? I'm yeah. gonna be quiet for at least another thirty seconds. Okay. So she was a concubine who was eventually going to fight her way to be empress of China, and she is going to be in and out of power for five decades in China. Hmm. When she takes power. She is taking over a crumbling China because we've touched on this time frame before. The Mao? It's like mid – no, no. It's not quite Mao yet. Okay. It's like mid-1800s time period, like early to mid-1800s. Okay. Okay. And keep in mind that China basically more or less lets eh, collapses about 60 years, 60 70 years, years since she takes power. After she takes power. Yes. And she now, takes power in the mid 1800s. Yeah, if you're thinking, well, 70 years is a long time, you're, we're talking about China here. This is like ancient, ancient civilization. So 70 years is nothing in the history of China. And so mm. she's going to take over okay. for 50 years approximately. Yeah. She's going to die. And then like less than 20 years after she dies, China's going to completely freaking collapse. Okay? Okay. Now, what she does that's so important, though, is that she – is going to help China maintain for way longer than they probably would have if she wasn't there. Mm -hmm. She is going to modernize China as well. And she is going to do this, and I don't want to generalize, but safe to say one of the most misogynistic areas in the world, in China. Really, it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess there was some problems with like the feet binding and... Oh, well, I mean, you think about feet binding, you think about uh, not even 20 years ago, they had the one child policy, which led to a bunch of people throwing their daughters away and like... Yeah, but there was economics involved in that too, right? Well, there was absolutely... Um, okay. I mean, just the general fact that she was a concubine. Do you know what a concubine is? I had to do yeah. some research on exactly what a concubine is. Yeah, I was going to have us define that for the listeners because I only associate it with being a mistress that is somehow... Like kept in a place that you can easily visit. So. That is actually pretty accurate. That's okay. what they are. So every emperor in China has an empress. But the empress is basically just uh, the slang term I'll use for it here in America is a bottom bitch. Right? It's like when you have a bunch of ladies, okay, the empress is your head empress. And then you also have your concubines. Okay, now the concubines were basically subwives. Okay. They weren't just like – I kind of thought of them as like legit just sort of sex slaves. Well, you used to. But yes. this is not what you, you yeah. should be thinking of. No, no, this. no. But you shouldn't. Like they're, to a certain extent, they are sex slaves. They, they have to have sex with the emperor whenever he wants. Uh-huh. However, they also have an influence on the emperor. Like they have his ear and they get to live in like the forbidden kingdom and have these nice swanky lives where they like lie around just like straight chilling yeah. um, and every now and then they have to interact whether it's sexual or not with the emperor okay so they're like they're not full on like so in my not to compare this to mormonism but like i'm thinking like there's the empress and she's the first wife and then like all the other ladies are like just a less powerful, not official legal second, third, fifth, fourth, fifth wives in the sense that they live there, that they have some influence, that they have a, a relationship with the, the emperor and then they sleep with them. Yeah. But no babies. That's fair enough. Or the, well, how can but you the, control for that actually? Were they, oh no, the babies are a big thing. That's going to be okay, so they, where they, they she all have babies. holds power like almost her entire life. And okay. I'll get to that. Okay. So this lady, sorry, can you say her name again? See. Cici. Cici. It's spelled C-I-X-I, but I believe it is pronounced Cici. Okay, so Cici, she is a concubine of which emperor? Uh, His name is 
Zian Feng, okay. which I am butchering the yeah, name yeah, of. Yeah, Feng, Feng. Uh, but he's like a lesser known emperor. Okay, so that's not the main part. That's of the not story. the point. Okay, she's a concubine. Got it. Yes. Now, as a concubine, here's how it works you are sort of ranked, right? So the empress is number one, and then you have a ranking of the concubines. And Si Chi is going to be the highest ranking concubine. Wait, sorry. Can I just make one? Sorry, okay, I'm totally throwing you off. I just I, I compared it to Mormonism, and I just want to be fair that most Mormons are not polygamous. But I, yeah, tried, no, I, I was talking about yeah, big love. Yeah, and that, yeah, 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 sorry. <laughs> we, I don't want to be offensive. <laughs> I know a lot of really nice Mormons. I didn't want to be rude. Um, okay, so, uh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Or, or, I'm not going to start over. You're going to have to catch so, up. So, back in China. <laughs> <laughs> So here's what's going to happen. Okay. She is going to have the only male heir to Xian Feng. Okay. At least the highest ranked male heir. Okay. okay so she just gets lucky. Well, by having a male, and I'm like, whoa, you are taking a lot away from her at this point. You know, you like to make assumptions before you've heard the whole story. I like to say I like to say all sorts of things before I hear the whole story. I mean, what do you? What do you? All right. This is how I learn. I say things. Yes. Um, so okay. okay. So, but I mean, the way they're ranked is partially based on their offspring. And if you have the mm-mm, oldest marriage, no, they're ranked on a, a variety of other things that have nothing to do with offspring. Okay. So the empress is probably going to be from the richest family. Okay. And then the concubine ratings can be all, all sorts of different things. It could be from the family you come from. It could be what you look like. It could be how much the, the emperor likes to, to, to hang out with you. Hang out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. And uh, and she also happens to have – in is she number two? No. She's actually middling. Mm, so she's middle of the road, but she's got the male heir. Yes. Okay. That emperor Sounds is going to, to die. Of course it is kind of lucky. But. Okay. Well, statement was fair. <laughs> So the is going to die, all right? And her son is going to take over at the age of nine. The country of China? Yes. Yeah, yeah. However, because she's Cersei Lannister as the mother, she uh. basically is going to have to knock off a couple people. I'm going to horribly oversimplify this. But she is basically going to have a coup where they're going to bunch, kill a bunch of political opponents so her son, at nine year old, nine years old, uh-huh. becomes the emperor of China, with her as the queen regent, like literally just what Cersei always did. You know how she was right. always like telling Jeffrey what to do and Joffrey, Joffrey yeah. what to do, and then you know the other uh, the chunky one that comes after Joffrey, like oh Tommen, Tommen chunky. Well, he's he's cute. chunky in the books. Oh, got it. Um, so what? But I thought he was the emperor. Who just? Why did he have to? Again, keep, I don't want to get into it because there's other people. There's still an empress um, and things like that. He's too young. He's from a concubine, but he has a claim to the throne. Okay. Again, so, I'm I'm, so I'm oversimplifying this, or we'll be right, here. Right. That, that's fine. That's fine. Like you can like literally talk about this chick's life for hours. It's like fascinating and long and stuff like that. So I'm like gonna have to really oversimplify everything here. Okay, okay, fine. Okay. So she clears the path. She's yes. a nine-year-old emperor, and she is the queen regent. Yes. So that is like a, a long period of time she's able to rule as queen regent because even when that son comes of age, mm-hmm. she has been in his ear long enough that she's the real power behind China. Okay? Now, 
that emperor is also going to get some sort of health issue or something mm, and is going to also die. At what age? Uh, I don't know. Let's move on. Okay. Okay. So the next heir, like when, when he's lying there sick in his deathbed, mm-hmm. in, his, in his deathbed. Yep. Okay. What she's going to do is see that this dude is going to die. So she adopts the next in line to be the emperor, the next male heir. Even he was just up for adoption? No. Again, I have to oversimplify, but she's basically going to have a mini coup where she kills people. To and have then she's him like, oh, heir. there's this orphan. Yes. I'll adopt him. Like a super royal orphan. Well, yes. obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, whoa. Wow. That's mm-hmm. some crazy ass shit, man. And this is how she's basically going to rule as emperor for almost 50 years. She's like this de facto empress of China through manipulation of children and assassinations. Wow. And, and she was good at ruling. Yes. So that is the story of how she's ruling. And now I'm going to get into um, how she ruled. Like this type of stuff she did. You ready for this? Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of crazy, right? So just her being in power is like pretty nuts. All right, so she is going to be considered famous for modernizing China, okay? And she does it in a way where like the Chinese are very like traditional, right, with their culture. Um, And she's going to modernize while being sensitive to ancient um, cultures and stuff like that, okay? And like a great example that I read is that she is going to have railroads built all over the country. You know, you've seen China on a map. It's massive, right? It's quite large, yes. Yes. And she is going to do this while refusing to allow any ancient sort of burial sites to be affected by the railroads, including even just the noise of them being by, because it was the Chinese belief right. that they didn't want to hear anything too obtrusive either. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, just like peaceful lands. Um, okay, so... She kind of she brings them into the future or into the present. I don't know. Um, in in such a way that it's it's palatable to the local population. Yes, exactly. Okay. Some other things that she did along those lines. She built a navy, a strong navy, which basically was not existent at China, hmm. in China at the time. And if you think about this time period, which is again the mid eighteen hundreds, the Europeans have all had massive navies are right. building them. Right. So it's like pretty crucial. Right. Um. She is going to bring electricity to the country. She is going to wow. bring coal power to the country. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps what could be very important in terms of like geopolitics is Lisa, mm-hmm. who invaded and took over Indochina. Uh, it was Queen Victoria. No, Indochina. Oh, Vietnam. Southeast the, French, Asia. the French, the French, the French. The French. Sorry, I had my mind on the opium wars because I was thinking about that happening she, after this. No, very good. She's she's a very like bold – she's all in the mix of the opium wars. She's in the mix. She's in the so mix. So she's sparring with Queen Victoria. Yes, but hold on. It was on. two ladies bar. Wow. Well, kind of. Well, yeah. I'm going to get to the that. background. Sorry, sorry, but I feel like there's – Okay, so who was in Indochina? The French were in Indochina. The French were in Indochina. Yeah. Okay, they were planning on moving into China. Like a full-on French invasion of China, but she used diplomacy and the threat of a military that she developed to keep the like make the French agree to stay down in Indochina. That's impressive. So in Southeast Asia, 
they have that huge French influence, yeah. and she is the reason that they're not speaking French in like you know southern Parts China. China, yeah. Right. Wow. Okay. Yes. Very impressive. Now, uh, she also is going to do things like she is going to illegalize the foot binding thing that we mentioned. By the way, just a fun side uh-huh. fact: foot binding, terrible practice. Another podcast where I learned a lot about it was uh, Stuff You Should Know. On It was called How Foot Binding Works. You should yeah. check that. Uh, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's very brutal. Yeah. Um, she is going to allow cross-ethnic marriages of the Manchu and the Hans, who mm-hmm. were the two major ethnic groups in China at the time. Um, and she just – so she sort of like also sort of liberalizes it, right? Yeah. Huh. Um, she's going to do something called – the. Eh, I'm going to skip that one. That's too much background is needed. I'm going to skip ahead to this. So in her 50 year, like years of power, uh-huh. she has these times where she doesn't have a lot of power like as her emperor son takes over. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And her those influence waxes and wanes. Is right. Exactly. That's a great way of putting it. And it is those times when she's not in power that China goes through its like very deep dives. So you can kind of track like her influence to China's um, more successful years within that fifty years. Yeah, exactly. Period. And apparently, according to a lot of records, uh-huh. um, most people, when they know like dire things were happening, would come to her to ask her for, to get something done, and yeah. she would have to sort of move behind the scenes to take care of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. She's um, she was clearly an operator. But, um, I don't know what smooth is the right word, but uh, yeah. silent, maybe. Right. Um, wow. It's just such a weird... I feel like juxtaposition is such an overused word right now, but it is such a weird juxtaposition to have someone that was so ruthless in the way that they took power, but actually wanted to use their power for fairly good things, yes. right? I mean, that's pretty crazy. And she also was... She was, she was bougie. Like, she dressed all fancy, and she, like, used her money. She, like, liked living in the Forbidden City. Right. Um, and that was, I think that added to her controversial matters. It looks like she was trying to empower herself and better herself, which she also was to a certain extent. Well, yeah, you can't be in the royal family and not be kind of really taking, getting some advantages from that. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there any fodder of if she maybe killed her son? Yeah, so she, like, there's conspiracy, so many conspiracy theories about her. If anyone died that was associated with her, people just say that she killed him. Uh, and I really don't know enough about her, or I don't even think a lot, of, and anyone knows, to, like, really say for sure who she did and did not kill. Wow. Crazy. Yes. Okay. So we're saying she's this high on the list because she um, had an enormous effect on one of the largest oldest countries in yes. the world. Yes. So here's the deal. I think she is, this is why, the year 1908 is why I think she is so controversial. Uh-huh. I mean, sorry, why she is so influential. She's going to die in 1908. Okay. Okay. So the influence of her, like she's not going to have that presence anymore. And China, until the takeover of Mao, is going to be literally in chaos and it's going to, Take like 40 years. I mean, you're looking at civil war. Then you're looking at the invasion of Japan, World War II. Yeah. And then you're looking about resuming civil war after World War II in China. Then you're talking about 
Mao taking over and killing like 40 million freaking people. Which is when they collapse into communism. Which is when they collapse into, collapse into communism, right? So like I think you could like draw this line that if this woman who, who took over this, this terrible collapsing country and was able to cling and hold and piece everything together for as long as she did yeah. and help China modernize the way it did mm-hmm. – it's it's funneling points. It's it's like you can look at her and be like, this woman could have done it if she had the power. Like if you we just if China just gave her the full power and let her rule and leave behind her legacy, which is also a lot of maybe points, right? She yeah. like she, China would look very very different. Yeah. But she was not given that opportunity. I don't understand why those are funneling points though. Well, because she was this really intense leader in a country that is even worse than places like America and the West about having female leaders. But was, she, was it leaders. known at the time that she had all that influence? Yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. When I, when I was kind of alluding to that when like people – when her sons were in charge, oh. if they really wanted something done, they had to go to her. Right. I mean I guess that's Teach pretty you. obvious. I mean just looking at a nine-year-old, you're like, oh, someone's – No, no. I'm not talking about when she was nine because she was queen regent. They come of age, and then she's no longer queen regent, right? So I think it's probably like uh, 16 or something. Oh, okay. So, they, so he can before be, it was like, well, yeah. she has to do this. Yeah. And then later it was like, no, she's like really still in, wiggling in there, and everyone gave her that credit. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they were like, a lady can do this. Yes. All right. Funneling points she gets. Yes. So serious funneling points. She also deserves some pretty intense mothering points. If you think about it, she inherently had a bunch of emperors as her kids. You know uh, I, mean? I don't think that counts at all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like at all at all. I yeah, mean, she killed like, people to put them there. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, if anything, she's just good at uh, getting power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but whatever. All right. I mean, I'll give it to her. It's a little, it's a little controversial. A little, a little not fully benevolent, but... No, and, but, but neither were many of the quote unquote great men that we learn about. So. Right, exactly. And I, I didn't say these are 12 of the nicest, ten. sweetest, or sorry, 12. <laughs> uh, these are the 10 sweetest women ever. You know what I mean? These are influential. They had a massive influence. Got it. And she's not going to be the last, like, quote unquote, controversial person we talk about. Okay. okay. All right. All so right. That is the crazy, like, a very, like, um, Short version of this crazy life that C. Chi lived. There's a great National um, Geographic article you should check out. I believe it's called How the Dowager Empress C.G. Modernized China. Check it out. It's really interesting and like it's sort of like nicely simplified and has some great visuals in the article too. It's really good. All right. Cool. All right. Uh, I think I need to take a break before we do the second half of this. So you all hang tight. We will be right back. Hey, uh, by break, we meant we were actually going to sign off part two because we've almost been talking for 50 minutes. Uh, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna head out. Yeah, we're going to head out. We uh, got a little carried away there. It looks like we're uh, averaging about two, uh, two and up. But I yeah. kind of like that we're giving the ladies more time. So yeah, I'm down with it. I do too. So uh, we're not going to have any outro song or anything like that. Just stop what you're doing now. You know, stop this and then switch over to part three. That is not anticipated. No songs for you. Yeah. All right. My name's Steve and I was a history teacher. And my name's Lisa and I married him. <laughs>